0: morning um, if you have your bibles go ahead and open it up to john chapter 3 verse 16 maybe you don't even need to open your bible if you this is one of those verses that's memorized most of us memorize it as a young child if you grow up in church and you may not even need to to look at your bible to remember this one So I'll read verse 316 and then we will pray together here and um, see what the Lord will show us this morning from his love for us. So the Gospel of John, third chapter and the 16th verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of Christmas and the celebration of your coming to be with us, to be among your people. And we pray, Father, that now through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would be with your people again this morning, that on this Christmas morning of 2022, the Spirit of Christ would be present in this room here with each of us and the Holy Spirit opening our eyes, opening our ears, opening our minds, opening our hearts to hear the words, to hear the truth, to know you and to love you. And I pray, Father, that during these next several minutes that your word would come alive and that your Spirit would Rest upon me in such a way that I speak the words that need to be spoken for each person in this room, including myself. And we thank you for loving us this much. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Well, Merry Christmas. You know, it does seem kind of odd in our modern world, but yet at the same time, it seems right to be in church on Christmas Day. I mean, it seems odd because it only happens once every six years unless the leap year messes up everything, which is what happens this decade, and it occurs every 11 years. The next time we will gather together on a Christmas morning, Sunday morning for Christmas Day will be 2033. It'll be 11 years before this happens again. And so because of all this, it just seems kind of odd, so unusual to be in church on a Christmas Day But then it seems right because Christmas is about the gift of God to the world and his only son, Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this great gift he's given us, I'm I'm going to keep our approach as simple as his gift. One verse, one simple idea, simply explained, I hope. And all we will do is look at three verbs in John 3.16. Loved, believe. Have. The first one, loved. God so loved the world. God's love is not the same as what the world defines and calls love. God's definition of love is easily defined as sacrificial love. God defines love as doing what is best for the other person, even if it costs greatly to do that. And this cost immediately raises the idea, well, then what did it cost God to give us the gift of his only son? How did giving us Jesus at Christmas in his birth in that manger in that Bethlehem stable, how did that cost God? Well, first, he had to give up the perfect fellowship that he and his son had in eternity so that Jesus could take on human form to live as we do. Now, that's not to say that their fellowship was completely lost. That's a completely false reality and a false idea that Jesus and the Father were separated completely. But yet, there was some loss in the perfect fellowship they enjoyed as the divinity, the three persons in the Trinity, in heaven, before eternity began, the moment he took on human flesh. Just taking on humanity necessarily caused Jesus and the Father's fellowship to be less. The other way it cost God to give us the gift of Jesus was when Jesus took on just the limitations of humanity. I mean, the infinite God taking on the finite form of humanity, that he can only be physically in one place when... Throughout his existence, he was everywhere all the time. Jesus willingly set aside most of his divine privileges to accept the limitations of human flesh. I mean, it was necessary. There's just no way human flesh can can fully contain the entire divinity of Jesus without him setting aside some of those aspects, some of those privileges. It's like from the Marvel movies with the Infinity Stones. No human can hold the infinity stone in their physical hand because it's too great, it's too powerful, and human flesh can't contain it. But yet somehow, Jesus did. And God giving his son meant that Jesus was here to accomplish a purpose. And as we discovered through Jesus' life, a very painful purpose. But the thing about love is it being a verb is that it requires a direct object love by its very nature requires an object being loved by the lover and the object of god's love was you and i i mean yes god uses the you know the term world here because it is for his love for the whole world however god has this capacity to love the whole world And at the same time, make his love so personal to you and I as it was as if it was just for you and I. An amazing capacity for love does our father in heaven have. Then there's the verb believe. While you and I are the objects of God's love, we still have to receive this love he's giving us for it to do us any good. I mean, we understand this. This is not that it's really not that hard of a concept for any of us to grasp. If you don't receive the gift that someone gives you on Christmas Day. It doesn't do you any good. Right. I mean, you've got to physically take it and receive it for it to accomplish the goal of the gift. And this idea of believing, it's just such a simple act to receive God's gift of his only son, Jesus Christ, You and I just simply have to believe that Jesus is God's only son. Well, sort of. We have to believe that, but believing that alone isn't sufficient. Believing that Jesus is God's son, we have to add to it the belief that Jesus died for our sins. Remember how I said giving his only son cost God? Well, here we start to grasp the reality of what it cost God, the immensity and gravity of this gift that Jesus came with a purpose. We celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus, but we forget this child born to us was born with a purpose. Jesus was born to die. To be a gift to us that really matters, Jesus has to die the death he died on the cross A brutal and harsh execution whose ultimate purpose was to save us from our sins. And look, sins are the consequences of our rebellion against God. Our failure to trust him and just go do it our own way. And these words from scripture emphasize this reality of his love for us to take away our sins. Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then Ephesians 2, 4 through 9. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that purpose, so that in the coming ages, we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we have to believe that Jesus is God's only son. We have to believe that he died to save us from our sins. Like, okay, all right, but wait, there's one more. In addition to that he's God's only son and that he died to save us from our sins, we have to believe that God raised him from the dead. Believing in him is more than just that Jesus died for our sins. The fullness of believing in him is that he's God's only son who died for our sins and God raised him from the dead. In the end, if Jesus' death was the end of the story, then the story of Jesus is just nothing more than a tragic love story like Romeo and Juliet. He loved us, but he died. So what? Romeo loved Juliet, and they both died. So what? In fact, if Jesus was just born and died, then he isn't all that special. If Jesus just lived a normal mortal life like you and I, how do we know he was really God? If Jesus just lived and died, we are exactly like what the Apostle Paul said about us in his letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people most to be pitied. The witness of scripture though in those who were there is clear. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. On the third day, God raised him from the dead as proof Jesus was his only son. And he had accomplished his mission of saving us from our sins and by taking our place and substituting his life for ours. As Paul said to the church in Rome, in Romans chapter 10, 9 through 13, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, If you're looking for a formula of salvation, Paul gives it right here. With your heart, believe, then you are justified through that belief. And with your mouth, confess, Jesus is Lord, and you are saved. That's the formulaic system, the formulaic belief. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. It's just that simple. It's just not that easy. Because... I don't want to do that. I have my own things I want. My own pride gets in the way. I got to wait. I mean, I wait. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, but I don't want a lord. I want to be lord. I don't want a lord. I want to be lord. And I'm really I'm I mean, I didn't really do anything that bad. Did I? Yes. I did. I don't, it took a while, but I realized I needed saving. I needed redeeming. I'd really messed up. I mean, I really messed up. Some of you know how bad I messed up. I needed to be redeemed, I needed to be saved. And He did. Out of His great love for me, He saved me and redeemed me. And of course, just being in a state, moving from the state of eternal punishment for my errors into a state of eternal bliss by being made right with him through the blood of Jesus. If that was all he did, it would be enough. One of the Passover traditions in the Jewish Hebrew faith is is the song, It Is Enough. When talking about the Passover and all the events of the plagues. And if he had just brought them out of Egypt, that would be enough. If he had just given them a home of their own as in the land of Israel, that would be enough. If he had just saved me from my sins, that would be enough. But he did more. He not only redeemed me out of the slavery to sin. he gave me a fellowship and relationship and a joy of knowing him and walking with him every day. If he had just saved me out of my sins and given me a regular, enjoyable fellowship with him, like I have with so many of you, that would be enough. That would have been enough if he had just done that. But he did more. He saved me and redeemed me. He gave me a fellowship with him. And he adopted me as one of his own sons. You're kidding me. You're kidding me. I, you're. The God of heaven and earth, the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things, is going to adopt me as one of his children. You gotta be kidding me. I was like, is this for real or is this a joke? No, it's very for real. This is what it means to have eternal life. What is it that we receive as our gift when we have him, the eternal life? We, we get what was lost in Eden. The fellowship with him. We we get what our hearts most want. We receive reconciliation with our heavenly father. We, we get the promise of joy in this life through knowing him. We become one of his children. And in the next life, we have the fullness of perfection. Perfect bodies. Listen, even before needing cataract surgery, this body needed a lot of help. You guys know, of the sto- some of you are, many of you know the story of what this body's already been through. And the idea that I'll have a perfect body that doesn't creak, ache, pop, groan, crack, fall, all that sounds really sweet to me. And in addition to the perfect body, I get a perfect heart. A perfect heart that has all the good desires of the heart with none of the bad ones. Unfortunately, here in this world, I'm still stuck with this Mixed heart that has good desires and bad desires, but in the next life that'll all be gone and and we become completely like Jesus. We fully enjoy being one of God's children, first John chapter three, verse one, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. then John chapter one, verse twelve and thirteen. That we covered a few weeks ago, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, nor of the will of the flesh, but of God. And then Romans chapter 8, 15 through 17, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons By whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. What? Are you kidding me? I would have, if he had just redeemed me, given me fellowship with him and adopted me as one of his sons, that would have been enough. But then he goes this extra step. And he goes and makes me an heir with Jesus. Now, I'll confess, I don't really know completely what that means to be an heir of God with with Jesus. I don't know what that means exactly. But whatever it is, it's going to be good. I'm going to like it. I'm going to like it a lot. So I'm just going to wait for it. Well, yeah, I'll wait for it. Not with patience, but I'll wait for it. Knowing it's going to be good, real good. And just enjoy the goodness now here in this world of fellowship with him. Fellowship with you that's made possible through the Spirit of Christ bonding our hearts together in Christian love and just have some joy. Amen. Can I can I get an Amen for some joy? Amen. Amen. Okay, so what? Well, I mean the first so I is kind of self evident, isn't it? Will you receive God's love for you? Will you receive his great and wonderful gift for you? His only Son is your Redeemer, Savior, and Deliverer. Right? The first step to believing He's God's Son. He died for our sins, your sins, and He will give you fellowship with Him, and that God raised Him from the dead. Secondly, do you believe Jesus is God's only Son and raised Him from the dead? As Peter told us. This is what we must do to be saved. It is the essence of believing in him. The tougher one, I think, I don't know about you, but the tougher one for me is the, is the accepting this new role as one of God's children. Receiving not only my escape from punishment, but also the joy of being his child. Whoa, that's a little scary. I'm but what if I mess up? Who said that all the time? I should have. I don't know why I even asked. (laughs) That's right. Yes, of course, I'm going to mess up. What child doesn't mess up while they're growing up? Right. Because we come to faith in Jesus as an adult or older age or whatever, we somehow think that because we're mature humanly, we're supposed to be mature spiritually. And that's just not the way it works. We start over like an infant at the moment of our salvation. And we have to you know, grow into maturity, just like we grow into maturity physically as a human being. And just like all the children who've ever lived and ever will live, you make mistakes. That's part of learning and growing up. So it is with our father. As we take on this new role of being one of his children, we have to grow into it. And we're going to make mistakes But he doesn't, he's not worried about it. He's not freaked out about the mistakes we're going to make, like we are with our kids when they make mistakes. He's not like that. Instead, he's like, come on. I know, I know you messed up. It's okay. Come here. Let's fix this. And then he fixes it. Will you accept your role as one of his children? Will you accept being a child of God? And let your gift giving this, this Christmas flow from this same love that God has for you and the world. Giving what is good for others, even if it costs you a great price. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this amazing gift of your son. Thank you for this amazing gift of redemption and restoration and reconciliation with you and with each other. Thank you for this just wow, getting to be one of your children. Father, we pray, Lord, we need help understanding what this means and really embracing it and living it and being fully in it. Help us, Father, to be fully present as one of your children every day.